Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. Whomever you love, we welcome you. My name is Lori McGee, and it is my privilege to serve as worship associate for today's service. It does list in the order of service Kathy Kearns. Kathy was sick this morning, so I am filling in. I'm joined today by the newly minted Reverend Christina Spotty, who is leading our service this morning. We are delighted to welcome you to this religious community. The Reverend Christina Spotty calls the UU Church of Kent home, having joined the church in 2007, and is elated to have been recently ordained by this congregation and that of the UU Church of Youngstown. Christina answered the call to ministry in 2012, graduating in 2016 from the Meadville Lombard Theological School. Christina is a previous graduate of Kent State University, and her last two years of ministry have been serving our nation's veterans as chaplain resident at the Cleveland VA Medical Center. Although she has served Northeastern Ohio congregations as well and continues to enjoy leading worship, officiating weddings, and leading memorial services when she can. Christina currently lives in Cleveland with her two cats, Paisley and Harley, and she is glad to be here with us again this morning. Next week is a very special Sunday. Our worship will be at 9.45 and 11.30, just like today. And worship will be led for the very first time by our newly settled minister, Reverend Stephen Protzman, who is here with us this morning. And Lisa Teal will be the worship associate. The title of that service is Blessings for the Journey, and it will be a blessing of the backpacks. So bring your backpacks to church next week so that they can be blessed for your new school year. Our chalice lighting words this morning come from the Quran, Surah 49, verse 13. People, we created you from a single pair of a male and a female and made you into nations and tribes that you may know each other. This country is a melting pot. I think some people just forgot everybody came from somewhere else. And folks sailed from across the sea to build a better life for you and me. Every family's got a tale to tell. Once there was a preacher man came down and Always kept his hand upon the plow. These very words came from his lips. They've all come on different ships, but we're in the same boat now. 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 They've all come on different ships, but we're in the same boat. Where would we all be today if Martin hadn't turned the page when so many said he was wrong? If peace and love was the only way we lived this life, 
every day all God's children will learn to get along it was there was a preacher man came from down in Alabama always kept his hand upon the plow these very words came from his lips they all come on different ships but we're in the same day provides us with an opportunity to love again, to hurt again, to embrace joy, to experience unease, to discover the tragic. Each day provides us with the opportunity to live. This day is no different this hour no more unique than the last, except maybe today, maybe now, among friends and fellow journeyers, maybe for the first time, maybe silently, we can share ourselves. I invite you to be present with me in the space between as I offer this prayer. I'm willing to let go, oh Lord. I'm willing to let go, oh Lord. I'm willing to let go, oh Lord. Oh Lord, 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 I let go. Oh Lord, 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 I let go. I'm willing to be free, oh Spirit. I'm willing to be free, oh Spirit. I'm willing to be free, oh Spirit. Oh Spirit, 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 I'll be free. Oh Spirit, 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 I'll be free. I'm willing to be honest, oh God. I'm willing to be honest, oh God. I'm willing to be honest, oh God. 
Oh, God, 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 I'll be honest. Oh, God, 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 I'll be honest. I'm willing to listen, oh, people. I'm willing to listen, oh, people. I'm willing to listen, oh, people. Oh, people, 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 I'll listen. Oh, people, 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 I'll listen. I'm willing to let go. Oh, Lord, I'm willing to let go. Oh, Lord, I'm willing to let go. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, 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 I'm willing. Oh, Lord, 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 I'll let go. Many of us don't know that our love matters. We are a technological culture. So we think we are supposed to be able to fix people's problems, or we think there is a right thing to say. People want to be comforting, but they don't know how to do that. What I have discovered is that simple human connection is what matters. Nobody expects you to fix their lymphoma or breast cancer, but people expect hope or that their suffering, hope that their suffering really matters to you. All that's needed is to say, I heard about your illness, I am so sorry. Just say it, say it and really mean it. Say it from your heart. There is nothing more powerful. I remember one of the most profound things that ever happened to me when I was young in the midst of my severe suffering with my illness was when this person came to me and said, you know, I heard that it's been hard for you. I'm so sorry. Then their eyes filled with tears. I knew my life mattered. I knew that they cared about me. I felt strengthened to go on. They didn't fix a thing about me. They were just real. Some of us feel being real isn't enough. We think we are supposed to be an expert and have the right words and the right answer. But we are the right answer. So the story is about a group of people who had gathered for a dinner party who um, were celebrating the opening of a restaurant that one of the women at the dinner party had just opened. And um, they're enjoying cheese and wine and things that fancy people do when they open restaurants. And all of a sudden, this guy in a tracksuit with a gun comes and interrupts their party. And he says, give me all your money. And they're at a dinner party, so nobody has any wallets because they're just with their friends, and so they're, they don't know what to do. And so what they end up doing is like, starting to make the guy feel bad. 
like, right? Like that's, that's how you're gonna solve this is you're gonna try and sort of shame him into like getting him to go away or something. So they're you know, like, what would your mother think? And like all these different things. And as they're doing this, he gets more and more agitated and you know, starts making more threats and things are starting to get really, really bad. And one of the women at the party all of a sudden says, hey, um, you know, we, we've been celebrating this evening. Would you like a glass of wine? And the robber is completely taken aback. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and so they invite him to have some wine and have some cheese and sort of start talking and stuff. And they invite him to have some more wine and it's, the mood is completely changed, right? And, but these people are also not really sure what to do with this guy. And so then they, they're having this nice party and he's like, you know, I think I came to the wrong place. And, and the people at the dinner party were like, you know, we, we get it and we understand, like we make mistakes. And, and the guy goes, can I have a hug? And so everybody starts hugging him one by one. And then he's like, can we have a group hug? And so they have a group hug. And then he leaves with a glass of wine, which he actually leaves in the glass in the alleyway right outside the people's homes. And so that's what the clip is about. And it is so good to be here with you today, even though my technology is not working. It's wonderful to be back here with you. I, some of you came and celebrated my ordination with me just five weeks ago, and I'm so grateful to be back here. I have not been in this pulpit in, I think, about two and a half years, so it is really an, an honor and a privilege to be back here with you this morning. Everywhere, says the poem by Warsan Jire, a London-based Somali poet. The end of the poem titled What They Did Yesterday Afternoon says, later that night, I held an atlas on my lap, ran my fingers across the whole world and whispered, where does it hurt? It answered, Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. From politics and politicians and the media dividing us to the fear that seeps into everything, social media, our homes and schools and work, fear. We live in fear, even if we are not afraid ourselves, we are still surrounded by fear. Fear is a natural emotional response. Its job is to keep us safe. But it can be abused too, and this particular political season and terrorism and assault on the environment and what happens to brown and black and female and LGBTQ and immigrant and indigenous and disabled bodies and people and the news from all over the world, the civil wars, terrorism, refugee crises, abuses, assaults, climate change, so many things to be fearful of and for. So many things used 
to make us fearful, and we are. And some of us are afraid of and for the people who are afraid. Living in this world is hard, and it hurts everywhere. What do we do? If there was a simple fix that could help, I hope it would have been applied by now. Like the townspeople in the story for all ages, we might be waiting for someone to figure it out because it seems too big for us to do alone. People have wildly different opinions on how we've gotten to be where we are, and they all know a part of the truth. It can be easy to forget that we know a truth, not the truth. We other each other. We name call and point fingers and antagonize and act out of our fears. And we might acknowledge that when we are in that place, we are not being our best selves. I actually just think noticing that we may not be our best selves is movement in the right direction. When we notice others' humanity and our own, that one's important and sometimes we forget it. When we notice our humanity, we might pause. It isn't about who's right or wrong and how right or wrong they are. That isn't the foundation for building relationships. It doesn't bring us any nearer each other but keeps us pushing away. It disconnects us rather than connecting us. There's friction, differences. But one truth about human beings is that we are social creatures wired for connection. And it is relationships that are the foundations that sustain us, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We need each other. Friction and humanity. It can be hard to set our own passions and frustrations and excitement or assuredness that we are right or whatever else aside. A practice that can be helpful is to first notice that we are having a response. Especially when we are having an emotional response, we often stop listening to other people. Sometimes I notice I'm having a conversation with someone either online or in real life, and I can tell that at best, one of us is actually listening to what the other one has to say. Has that ever happened to you? This happens to all of us at some point. I witness it every day when I'm at work, for sure. Each person is stuck in their side of the conversation and unable or unwilling to make space for the other side or for another possibility. This is talking at or to instead of talking with and may feel like having two separate conversations because that's actually what's happening. People are talking past each other instead of with each other. Instead of being in relationship, they are trying to be heard. The most important part of being in relationship. And yet, as our chalice lighting said, We have made you nations and tribes so that you may know one another. It is in the differences that we find the possibilities and opportunities to build bridges between us, that the diversity offers not only strength, but its own possibilities and opportunities if we can choose to see it that way. That is our work 
and our wonder. So the video clip that didn't play. Later on in the podcast, the host explains that the incident of this is a case of flipping the script. Non-complementarity is the technical term. So complementarity, which is typical behavior, is when we mirror and reflect each other. For example, if I am smiling and warm to you, you are more likely, much more likely, they say, to be smile and warm back to me. But if I give you the side eye or seem curt or cold, you are more likely to have a negative response to me, much more likely. So in the story, when they were trying to shame the robber, it's that same thing, that's complementarity, and things start to escalate. Sitting face to face and having a conversation and each person leans forward, physically leaning in, that is complementarity. Non-complementarity then is when we do the opposite of this. Someone shouts at you in anger and you remain calm, for example. In the video, the evening partiers were trying to make the gunman feel guilty and ashamed, and that's complementarity, trading the negative for the negative, matching and even trying to outdo the, each other, which is what caused the escalation. So when the gunman was offered a glass of wine and invited to join the party, that is complete and utter non-complementarity, which actually diffused the situation. Flipping the script of what could have happened and what was actually in the process of happening. So in the podcast, they continue exploring this concept of complementarity through a psychological lens. And it's super interesting and I highly recommend it, especially since I didn't get it to play. But what was really striking to me about the whole thing is something that's not addressed. And it affirms more than anything that what each of us wants and needs is to know that we are seen and heard and cared for, even if just for a brief period of time by someone else, that the other becomes ours. This can be as deep as in the story of all ages with the ones who could see out windows, knowing each other, listening to each other's stories all night long, knowing each other on a deep heart level. Or it can be much smaller and simpler, all the way down to holding a door for someone else and perhaps looking them in the eye, because for that brief moment, people know that they are acknowledged and someone cared enough about their presence to hold the door. That someone else acknowledged they exist and offered them a kindness. It's a spiritual practice, and in the time of that relationship, whether it's in the blink of an eye or in years of devotion, it's a spiritual gift. It is in the relationship that the holy lives and dwells. We are the right answer. Leaning in is a phrase that became popular a few years ago in a different context, but I think that that idea of leaning in offers us much in our relationships too whether physically or metaphorically leaning in. Not because it solves or fixes anything, it won't necessarily, and that's not the point, but because it attends to and prioritizes the relationship. Anything we do with intention and care is sacred, holy. 
It is in the space between us, the ones who could see out windows say, where God is, that God lives. Treating our relationships as though they are where the transcendent lives, that that is where the sacred dwells, can transform our interactions and our relationships. When we lean into each other, wanting to know more, letting down our defenses, wondering about the person you're with, that's when things begin to change. So we can notice ourselves having an emotional response and we pause and breathe and we lean in. In the podcast and video, they say that flipping the script or non-complementarity is something that's very, very hard to do. I wasn't sure I agreed until I started thinking about our natural preference for comfort and familiarity and leaning in and listening to another person, especially someone we already perceive as different from us in sometimes significant ways. It may be a risk and it may seem uncomfortable. We may not agree with everything someone says. We may get offended. I'm still not entirely sure that this is something that's very, very hard to do, but I acknowledge that it is against our natural inclination for maintaining the status quo. The other part of this, though, is that when we listen and trust and believe that what another person is saying is true, maybe their truth, but still true, and maybe that's a way to keep present, knowing that this is the other person's truth, when we listen, we are affirming their person, their identities, their beliefs, and most especially, their need to be known. And when we do this, we are also affirmed. We grow, and we invite the sacred in, in our intention to be in relationship, leaning into that intention when we seek to know each other. Dr. Raymond says that many of us don't know that our love matters. We think that we are supposed to be able to fix people's problems, or we think that there is a right answer or a right thing to say. What I have discovered is that the simple human connection is what matters. It matters because people know that they are cared for, they feel that they are known, and they matter. A few years ago, when I did my first unit as a chaplain intern at the VA, I had a new patient who was admitted to my floor. When I went to see him, his affect was just flat. I learned in that conversation that his wife of 30 years had died the year before, the day after Thanksgiving, her death the subject of a medical malpractice suit. He told me about what a rough and disorderly man he'd been, getting into fights all the time, beating people up very badly, drinking too much, in lots of trouble with the law. Eventually, he met the woman that he later married, and she made him want to be a better person, and so he worked to change. And now, here he was in the hospital after a major surgery, and he felt alone and in a lot of spiritual and emotional pain, just on the eve of the first anniversary of her death. The day after Thanksgiving, I went to the hospital for a partial shift. I spent two hours with this patient. We talked 
and sat in silence sometimes. He told me stories, mostly about his life, his dogs, and so on. A few weeks later, as my unit was ending, I was making my rounds to say my goodbyes. I entered this veteran's room, and he had two visitors. After introducing us all, he turned to his brother and sister-in-law and said, she's the one I was telling you about. She came and spent time with me on the day that my wife died, so I wouldn't be alone. There was nothing in particular that I said that changed his life, believe me. There are no magic words. There never are. But it meant the world that I cared and that I listened and that I was there so that he knew that he wasn't alone. It's the human connection that matters. In our faith, we sometimes hear about prophetic witness. The Reverend Dr. Rebecca Parker, one of my favorite contemporary UU theologians, says, behind the lone prophet who speaks up, there is a group. It is always a mistake to imagine the, that lone prophets are really alone. We should think of Jesus this way, for example. It is a mistake to see him as an isolated, heroic individual. It is better to see him as the crest of a wave, the sparkling foam breaking brightly from the force of a whole ocean moving and swelling up from underneath. Prophetic witness is incredibly important now as much as ever. It's a part of my work, and I believe that it's work that we are called to from a particular perspective as Unitarian Universalists, celebrating wholeness and the need for diversity as we do. What we need in times like this is not only prophetic witness, though. We are also called to what I call prophetic witness. We need each other. We need to learn how to be together and to lean in and to listen to each other if we want the world to heal. Parker says, behind the lone prophet who speaks up, there is a group, and we are part of that group. We are part of that group, and the way that we do, that, do our part is by being with, by talking with, by sharing with, breaking bread with, I'm not saying that we need to accept intolerance, hatred, bigotry, violence, fascism, or anything else, and I certainly hope that we don't. But we have become so divided and so focused on needing to, we might say, protect ourselves behind these walls that have been created and are fed into from so many places that fear that we have learned not to practice withness. And what this world needs now more than anything is witness. Witness is what we Unitarian Universalists bound by our shared covenants are called to do by who we are. Krista Tippett says, prophets help us connect the dots between the world as it is and the world as it might be. That space between the dots is sacred space, the place where the, we are with, where God, whatever you may call that and whatever your understanding may be, where God is with us, where the sacred dwells, when we are with each other, when maybe today, maybe now, among friends and fellow journeyers, maybe for the first time, maybe silently, 
we can share ourselves. We need to be the people we're hoping to lead us, and we need to practice witness in those between spaces, connecting the dots with everyone as best we can, because we can't be the people we want to be with only some, and claim our heretical religious heritage calling for love, justice, and mercy in this life. It has to be with all. And this is how we can bring some healing to this world, everywhere. In The Gift of Faith by Jean Harrison Nuyar, she writes, In the lore of ancient China, there's a story of a philosopher who was asked, Where is the road called hope? He replied, It does not exist, but as people go forward upon it, it comes into being. May it be so. May you join that road with me. Go in peace. Thank you.